Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, the series that highlights the people, the companies, and the technologies that are shaping the future of retail. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And today we are turning our spotlight in a new direction. Not a technology or a retailer, but a journalist. And someone I would call a real journalist, as opposed to a pundit like us. And someone who we have also, for a long time, admired quite a bit. And that is Jason Del Rey. Jason is the author of the new book, Winner Sells All, Amazon, Walmart, The Battle for Our Wallets. It's a fascinating read. Jason, welcome to OmniTalk. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Hey, we're so excited to have you. We've been following your work. I remember the first time I saw you interviewing somebody at Shop Talk, and I was like, this is, the, this is the guy to follow. So, And the book, it's been awesome to read. So we're really thrilled that you're joining us today and that our audience gets to hear firsthand from you about writing it. Yeah, it's a it's been a long journey. So um, I'm happy, happy to share what I can that um, both educates people, but hopefully makes them laugh a little bit and gets them to buy the book. Yes, that's right. That's that's right. That's always important, especially especially as a writer. It's important that people buy the book. All right, Jason. So let's get started. My first question for you today. It's kind of it's kind of it's, kind of, it's germane to the book. But my first question is, what are you wearing today, my friend? What are you wearing? And, and tell the audience why we're asking you that. I'll start with why you're asking, which is um, I begin my prologue with uh, a little bit of a scene in which I, Jason Del Rey, not a not one of the world's richest man, uh, <laughs> ask Jeff Bezos at the time, maybe the world's richest person, uh, what he was wearing uh, backstage <laughs> at a uh, actually. At one of my former employers' uh, annual tech conferences, the Code Conference, uh, where Jeff was about to be interviewed by uh, my old boss Walt Mossberg, and oh, right. uh, and so, <laughs> so I'll just I'll stick on that. So yeah, that you know that moment uh, I'd been covering the company three years at the time. Uh, Jeff, during my period covering the company, really didn't sit down with beat reporters, uh, you know, and. I kind of understood it. I mean, things were getting a little hairy for the Amazon narrative. It was no longer just inventive, consumer obsessed Amazon. It was, you know, you know, labor questions about Amazon and and the like and antitrust questions. And so anyway, I just, I, you know, I had a brief moment with Jeff. I was trying to make him laugh, but also make him make it clear that I really followed the company closely. And at the time they were just starting to dabble in uh, private label clothing. And he had said as much that he was interested in it in a, in a profile magazine profile. So, um, so I asked him what he was wearing, hope to get a laugh. I instead got like a blank stare and I, did you just ask me what I was wearing? And um, <laughs> his PR person, not happy. Um, I thought I completely blew it. And uh, a few minutes later, he came back after walking away and started asking me what I was wearing. And we got into a talk about um, trunk club and stitch fix and melding technology and humans to like build the the ultimate stylist, uh, nice. essentially. Of and course. so, um, you know, I've only met Jeff a few times, but that was probably my favorite, my favorite interaction and thought felt like a apropos way to to kick off the prologue of the book. Yeah, it did for us too today too. So, so um, how long have you, how long for the audience, like how long have you actually covered Amazon and Walmart as a journalist to set the stage? Yeah. So I, um, so it's been 
10 years now. Um, 10 years. Okay. Which, which, um, is kind of like kind of awesome and kind of horrifying to think, <laughs> think it's been that much time. Um, yeah, April of 2013, I got hired by, um, Recode's uh, predecessor website, which was called All Things D or All Things Digital, that was run by Kara Swisher and Walt Mossberg. At the time, it was part of Dow Jones. So my first desk was actually inside the Wall Street Journal's newsroom in New York City, which was very strange because we really competed against the Wall Street Journal's tech section, but we're owned by the same company. And so um, that was the deal. Uh, Six months later, we spun out into a startup company, Recode. Um, mm -hmm. uh, as much as Kara and Walt tried, Rupert Murdoch would not sell the All Things D name, which maybe maybe is a good thing today. All but Things um, D. <laughs> I mean, that website's going to return all kinds of results. I mean, so I think I maybe mean, you ended let's chat up GPT that one. Yeah. yeah right? I mean, I, let's just say, you know, I do not tell my ten-year-old uh, who's getting into really you know, gross 10 year old boy talk, what, what, what the site was called back then. But, um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I just lost everyone. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so, so I really wanted to work for Kara and Walt and, uh, uh, Peter Kafka I wanted to work with as well. Mm -hmm. Who's a wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful media journalist. And they didn't have a, I was covering media at the time actually, and they didn't have a media opening, but they had an opening covering e-commerce and i thought that's pretty cool uh i've covered a little bit of amazon i remember breaking a news story about how much they were asking for the ads on the sure. lock screen the lock screen of kindles um shockingly i got a no comment back in those days from from <laughs> pr um i think the, i think the number was like a million dollars or something um and uh anyway i kind of walked into to starting to cover e-commerce and really grew to love the space very quickly to nerd out about it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, so important for so many reasons. And um, so it's been about 10 years. I will say I paid more attention to Amazon in the first couple of years than, than Walmart. And then with the Walmart acquisition of jet um, in 2016, I really started to cover Walmart more closely as well as it seemed like they were, um, more serious about their endeavors um in online retailing at that point and so um it's been a wild journey and um you know this book itself has been a three-year process so um happy that it's done and and going to be delivered to doors uh very soon yeah well jason I, i'm curious like we chris and i both read the book we we want to know why you wrote this. Like, is it just the culmination of ten years of studying, kind of the back and forth of Amazon and Walmart? Um, and who is kind of the intended audience that you're going after with this? Yeah. So I I wrote the book for a couple of reasons. One is um, there's been you know several great books in the last you know 10, 15 years about Amazon. You know, there's been some good Walmart books in the last you know 20 years. But I think you learned so much about a company and these two powerful companies that's two biggest employers outside of the US government in this country right. about how they look at their biggest rivals. I just think you learn about motivations, you learn about insecurities, you learn about ambitions. And um I'm also a sports fan and like rivalries are really cool. And yeah. so um, I thought 
I would write a book someday if I was the best person to tell the story. And I just, a lot of journalists either pay attention to the e-commerce companies or the traditional retail companies. And I hmm. thought I was one of the few that really delved into both and knew both companies pretty damn well. And so um, I thought there was an important story to tell for, yes, for the retail industry and the e-commerce industry and entrepreneurs. Um, but frankly, for, you know, smart, inquisitive consumers too, who want to know how these two massive, important companies that are continue to expand in different parts of our lives think beyond the press release. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the the rivalry is just visceral, like in the right. reading of the book. I was, Chris and I were talking as we were reading and I'm like, this is crazy. Like the back and forth and back and forth. Like one of the things that comes top of mind is like that the, the day that the, the whole foods acquisition was announced that the Bonobos uh, acquisition was also announced at Walmart. And it, it was just like, Oh my God, you completely forgot about that. And you just feel like every chapter is like this Walmart does this. So Amazon does this. And I don't think that we realize that as an industry, just how like deep and rich that rivalry is. So I, I think that was really interesting how you like decided to bring that up and bring them i mean there's entertainment in this that i think is perfect for all audiences whether you yeah know the i i i try you know i tried to bring out i'm, I'm going to call them characters but you know these are real yeah. people right but i tried to you know focus on a few who i think are really crucial to this story and yes. um you know hope that the readers get a sense of who they are for better or worse. And because we all have our strengths and we all have our flaws. And um, often in business, you think of company, you, you think of company X did this. Yes. And it's, you know, you two know this stuff well, but it's easy to forget for an average business reader. Like there are people like these yeah. people are making these decisions and sometimes yes. for like not great reasons or yeah. for like not the reasons you might think. Um mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, I had some as 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 much of a slog as as you know this plot process is. I definitely had some fun along the way, yeah. just learning so much that I didn't know, you know, in in the over the course of my day to day reporting over the years. Yeah, and then the other part of that too is a lot of times the characters in this book are working at both companies as well, yeah, which is a right. whole another angle to this too. But yeah, like Ann said, it was a great read over the last 20 years. I mean, Ann and I got in this business around 2016, 2017, right when the jet acquisition happened. And so as she and I were talking about how to how to craft this interview, there's so much ground to cover in that period of time. So so let's start with the Walmart side of things, because I think that's actually where we started. That's what we're kind of most interested in. That's what we talk about the most too. But so you mentioned it, the jet.com, seminal moment for the company. My question for you, point blank, what is your take on that? Do you think it's an oh, is it overrated or underrated in terms of people's perceptions of the impact it's had on Walmart's current state and the future going forward? What's your take? You know, I I I'm I've started to do some interviews and and I'm getting similar versions of this question, and I hate to hate to disappoint, uh, but I'm going to go with what I you know what I wrote in the book, yep. which is. Um, you're essentially asking like, was that deal successful? I think is, and, and to me, it really d depends on what your definition of success is. Right. Mm -hmm. So if your definition of success is, um, changing the narrative of Walmart in the digital world from sort of a lagger to someone who can make some noise, 
um, changing the reputation of Walmart in sort of technology recruiting circles, changing the reputation of Walmart um, on Wall Street among investors that were wondering for years and years, could there be a high growth segment of this business and could their market cap expand as a result of that? I mean, I think you'd say it was successful. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you are someone who wants to look at decision, you know, a lot of the decisions made and strategies um, tr implemented as one-offs, um, there becomes a, a lot more, it becomes a lot more challenging to give a good grade. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of, listen, I think metabolism of Walmart increased. I think narrative changed in a good way, largely among a lot of different constituents. Um, I think there was a lot of missed opportunity as well. I think, you know, um, so it's to me, it's complicated and it, and it comes down to success. I would say uh, I have a hard time seeing Walmart in the spot they are today, which I think is a better spot than they were in a mm -hmm. decade ago um, mm -hmm. if they hadn't made made that deal. Yeah, that's a $64,000 question. It's like, you know, could Walmart have gotten there without the acquisition? It's We'll never know, right? We'll never know that answer. And would they have gotten there as quickly? Um, well, that's you know. well that, that that's the thing. So, and, and you know, this, this came up when I was talking to folks about another acquisition that actually didn't happen for Walmart and did happen for Amazon. And I'm not talking about Quincy, which, which is one case of Amazon stealing away Walmart, uh, yeah. Walmart target. Right. I'm talking about in the healthcare uh, world, uh, pill pack, which mm -hmm. Walmart, as I document in, in uh, this book, uh, it's not a joke, but it's chapter 11. That's the book. I, that's the chapter I go yeah. into healthcare. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking with someone about why Walmart was interested in in PillPack, and um, this person said something to what we, you know related, which was they didn't have anything that like we couldn't build ourselves, mm -hmm. but we weren't going to build what they like. Right. It just wasn't the kick in the butt variety, for a variety of reasons, and so I think Mark and team, for better or worse, were just a giant kick in the butt for Walmart. And um, you're right, though, we'll never know. You know. We'll never know what could have been uh, on the other side of things. Yeah, right. And we'll get to the healthcare towards the end here. I want to talk about that too, but and I want to talk about that too. But all right, so I'm gonna have a little fun stand on the Walmart track. So, so with that as the backdrop, I kind of figured that's what you're gonna say, and I think for the most part, Ann and I would agree with what you just said too. Yeah. So if you were to sure. if you were to rank order the cast of characters in this story, and there's a lot of them. There's Doug McMillan, Mark Laurie, Greg Foran, John Ferner, Judith McKenna, Mark Ibbotson even makes a big appearance in this. Um, who in rank order do you think are the three people most responsible for Walmart's current success? Oh boy, you're gonna really you're gonna really get me in trouble. <laughs> um, so you didn't name one person. Oh, uh, okay. Put add the dark horse. The yeah, writing. all right. I love it. Um, I named like eight people too. I'm curious. Oof. I think I might know Oof. who it is, but I'm curious. So how about I give you a top three and don't rank them? Oh man! <laughs> All right, uh, I've seen you uh, okay. on stage let's, before. Let's, I don't let, know if you let people off. Okay, I'll go. One. I'll go. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do. Um... Oh man! If I add this dark horse, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really get in trouble then because then I'm gonna have to bump someone. Yeah. Um... You could name the three and then give the dark horse too. That's also an option. Oof! Thinking about all my future motivations right now and what I know. Um, this is great. 
Wow, do you see the sweat dripping? Uh-huh. Um I'm going to I'm going to play it safe and go and go Doug number 1. Okay. Uh, good. I think right. he um you know, I think I think for what Walmart's tried to accomplish, I think he's been a great CEO. I think people yeah. who even leave the company under maybe not the the terms they would have loved um have 90% great things to say about Doug as a leader and as a person. So I'll put Doug, I'll put Doug number one. Um, geez, what year are we in? We're in 2023. <laughs> um, I'll go, uh, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Greg and then Mark. Greg uh, and then Mark. Okay. Wow. Uh, I didn't think you were going to do that. Reading the book. Okay. Interesting. Why? Um, because I just flipped a coin and, uh, <laughs> No, but the the dark horse I was going to say was Lori Fleece, who Fleece, um, yeah, who used to run at one point ran Corp Dev, and as I was reporting, you know, day to day on that deal, the Jet deal, I I didn't really know about her um, role in that, and as it was relayed to me by a couple of people, including Lori, um, like she was she was one of the main proponents of the jet deal. And, you know, it was interesting, you know, what she told me about why, and it was something we just said a little earlier, which was, you know, she told me, I, I, I told Doug, like, if we don't, if we don't do this deal, like, what are we doing to move faster? Right. And right. it didn't seem, it's a good point. Is that is that a great or a not great reason to make a $3.3 billion, you know, acquisition of basically aqua hire. Um, I don't know, like, but, but, uh, that's why, that's why, you know, if you think bringing Mark in was super important, again, some people may not, but if you think it was, if you think the jet deal was super important, like Lori really pushed hard behind the scenes to make it happen. So, um, so yeah, wow. That's a, that's a good ad. Good, good. You know, the other part too, as you got, as you were talking there, I thought about too, the other dark horse candidate in the running team to me would actually be the pandemic. Like I think the pandemic has had a great impact on Walmart's current position and gave it some some uh, bullets in the chamber that Amazon didn't have or didn't know it had. But what do you think about that? No, I think that's a great point. And I actually i i I made a, a brief public appearance at a at an event last week, and um, the moderator uh, asked me, you know, sort of talk about inflection points in 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 the last ten years for Walmart, and you know leading them to sort of how they're operating today in a real omni-channel way. And, uh, and so one, I, I brought up the whole, as I did in the book, the whole foods acquisition as an inflection point, not in that every Walmart executive was actually concerned because the overlap was really not right. there in customer mm -hmm. base, but in sort of just bringing, you know, Mark Lorian team used that to try to create some real urgency in terms of expanding online grocery much quicker than they had. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's one. Uh, the second one absolutely is um, the pandemic. I, you know, I'm trying to remember who I quoted about this in the book. I think it was maybe a guy named Greg Smith who was running supply chain at some point. Mm -hmm. And he was like, we basically had no choice but to like connect all this stuff that we had been like kind of dabbling with to that point, start shipping out. You know, we went from shipping out of whatever, a small amount of stores to like a couple weeks later, 2,500 or something. And, um, and yeah, they, it was either step up your game and like, or just 
not exist for consumers at the time they need you more than ever. So um, I think that's a great point. I don't know if you have other thoughts on that, but um, yeah, no. big, big inflection point, you know, set, you know, a lot of destruction in this world as a result, but, but uh, a real, a real positive momentum wise for, for the company. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting, especially when you did your rank order with Greg Foran and positioning where you did, because him and you, you spent a lot of time in the book talking about how he and Judith McKenna were big proponents of going after the click and collect or the curbside pickup options, you know, from the success they'd saw overseas and getting that foundation in place, even well before Mark Laurie was there, that that process has already started, which I think is an important topic within the question of, you know, would Walmart have gotten there, gotten to the same place, to the same degree, especially considering the pandemic too. So we'll never know, but uh, it's, it's fun to think about, you know, especially in terms of what we do day in and day out. Um, all right. So you, you, you want to know the real reason why Greg, you know, I did flip a coin between Greg and Mark, but Greg, yeah. Greg now is the CEO of Air New Zealand, right? Right. And, yes. and my brother lives in New Zealand. And so, you know, I, I never want to be blocked from being perks. able to go be, I don't want perks. I just want to be able to get to that country to see, <laughs> you don't want to be on a see, no fly list, to, Jason, to, to see my nephews right. and my, my brother, sure. um, right. Greg, actually, my brother told me in the fall, he was on a flight over here with his then fiance, now wife. And um, Greg was mixing drinks on the flight. Uh, they had had a lot of troubles with the direct, the JFK to uh, Auckland love direct. That. Love and, that. Uh, and uh, Greg was up there. He, he was, I don't know if he still is, but he was, I think at least weekly, maybe more often taking that flight um, oh, wow. and interacting. And, you know, you, you could... Greg, Greg's a Greg's a character for sure, but um, I think I think that says something about the sort of type of leader and you know customer focus he has. Uh, so anyway, I want to be able to get to see my nephews. Yeah, I love that, and that that's actually one thing that brings up a point which I, gets me right to my next question too. And then I'm going to cede the floor to Anne to, to ask you a lot of questions about Amazon. But I love this. I love this because like that's from our perspective, having worked at Target too. That's one thing Anne and I have long admired about Walmart is. You know, and I don't know how much of this was ingrained in Greg from his time there, but there's a real focus on eating what you cook, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's important. And and you know they do that really well. And so, so my question for you now, my last question regarding Walmart is, um, Mark Laurie. Now this is a direct allusion to your book. Is Mark Laurie actually a good businessman, or is he, as you kind of allude to, more of a P.T. Barnum type figure in the history of retail here? What do you think? Um. I think Mark is intentionally good at what he is good at, which is, um, you know, I, I think he crafts, you know, really intriguing visions um, of of things that don't exist. I think it's really challenging to get group of, you know, really smart people, really experienced people on board with a vision that may seem outlandish. I think he is just world class at raising money. Yep. And and listen, I think he's brilliant in a lot of ways and people who you know people who love him but also can see, you know, his flaws like we'll say like his math mind is just spectacular, you know. And um and he can he he can see 8 years down the line, you know, into the future and then, you know, um all the details about how to get there day to day, like maybe not his strong shoot, but, but I think there's a, you know, business is a lot about narrative. It is a lot about storytelling. It is a lot like 
in the venture business, like you can't, I mean, in the startup world, it's hard to do a lot without being able to bring investors on board. And so, um, you know, I'm hesitant to say, but, but, you know, the flip side is, as I talk about in my book, like, I think he and his leaders were in over their heads, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times inside that company. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs would be, you know, you're mm-hmm. talking about the biggest, you know, biggest retailer. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I think where they got into trouble a little bit was in over their heads at times and either a not realizing it or not being able, well, I guess you don't want to admit it, but not, not realizing it. And so I talk about, you know, losing, there were times, you know, important times where they lost credibility, where, um, it didn't seem like they knew that they weren't going to hit important internal goals and milestones. And as one, one former executive told me, like as a leadership team, you, you seed credibility at that point. Jason, how much did the acquisitions play into their perform their their assessment of their performance as leaders there too? Like the bonobos, the uh, the moose jaw acquisition. Because from our perspective, those were just strategically flawed from the get go. And in fact, yeah. we wrote about that too quite a lot. Yeah. How much did that play into things? Because that to me was the spending spree that just seemed unchecked and and unwarranted in our opinions. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it. I think it became checked pretty quickly, right? Like I think they did yeah. the Bonobos deal. I think there was one more like Eloquy yep. and um Mod Cloud. And yeah. as I and as Shubai I go through, and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, some of those were beforehand though, I yeah. think. And right. um and so uh, I think if you look at these deals on the surface and you're some of them like Bonobos was 300 yeah, you know, three hundred something million, right? But um, the other ones under hundred, you could say like, oh, that's like that's nothing for a Walmart. I just think um, optics wise, it created they they created trouble. And I think you know, as I go through in the book, I have sort of what I'd call like a mini profile about Jet Black, which was mm-hmm. the text message concierge service that was incubated oh, yeah. inside. And um, you know, I think. Don't even get me started about that. Yeah, I think I think it, it cost. I think it caused outsized turmoil for like, and and um, you know, you talk to folks who were leading it. I spoke to Jenny Fleiss for the book, and she's like, "Listen, I totally get people not you know not getting it in Bentonville, and we we did know we'd have to get sustainable. You know, we'd have to build a sustainable business, but we were trying to learn, and you know, I I think there was I think I think that stuff really you know, caused a lot of drama and maybe some of it unnecessarily. So, yeah, the only time I ever got a nasty gram from a PR uh, team was uh, my scathing review of Jet Black as a business yeah. idea. Uh, so, yeah. So <laughs> was that what I, I'm trying to remember the timing because I, I broke news of what they were working on. It's probably right after you broke it. And, yeah. I, and I think my headline, my headline probably didn't help, although it was accurate, which said something like, Walmart's working on a text message concierge service for rich New York City moms. Yes. Um, yeah. Sorry, Jenny, but um, you must have a I doorman mean, for the service. Is I think what the title of the Amitak piece it was for this one. Because there's no one that's going to accept, be able to accept the deliveries. That was a key component to the the Jet Black program. Yeah. Um, think. Uh, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to? take over now? Yeah, I do. So let's shift gears. And I want to talk about the Amazon part of this book. And Jason, let's go first into what you just mentioned a little bit ago, the the Whole Foods acquisition. What's your take there? 
got Amazon into physical retail in a way that they could finally compete with Walmart. Uh, but do you feel like that was a success or failure uh, for for Amazon? <laughs> Man, I'm practicing for TV right now with the uh I gotta give the short no no nuance uh no nuance answers, but um so I really do have to get better at. Um I think I think the deal has not been what you know Amazon would have hoped. I think mm. you know in what ways? Like how well so? well listen, I think um I don't know. Do you go and, and maybe you've written about this and I've missed it, but do you go into a Whole Foods today and think the experience is either better or the same as it was uh, pre-acquisition? I'd, I mean, for me, and and I will I will start by saying we are not we are a once a month, once every six weeks Whole Foods family, not mm-hmm. a weekly Whole Foods family. So maybe I'm not the best, but but I'm I don't know. Maybe maybe it's that I you know seeing the prime signs everywhere back yep. in the day, you know, really just, you know, was, was not something I loved. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a better experience. And then, you know, I really was, while it was necessary, probably I was really shocked by them adding back that delivery fee years ago. Yes. That was, um, very un-Amazonian. Mm-hmm. Um, now they've made that mood move with Amazon fresh delivery in a different way, setting the, you know, the $150, I think threshold for no, no fee extra fees. Um, I think it's been fine, but, um, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's sort of been for a big, big bet. I I think it's turned out to be rather uninspired to date what that what they've done with it. Now, um, as Mark Laurie says in the book and some others, you know, now if they if they had bought Kroger, like they like we were screwed at Walmart if they and right. and so what you know what I struggle with with Amazon is um I still think they haven't figured out in a real way like how to be a CPG player where customers can buy, you know, shop the way they would shop in a store right. and not buy a, you know, a 24 pack of, and, you know, we get into the, I get into that a bit in the book and the mm-hmm. drama of Amazon pantry over the years, which, you know, shipping the diet it, Coke doesn't, doesn't make economical no, sense. No, yeah. and like, yeah, maybe it's not the sexiest topic, but I, I sort of, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of, uh, super interested in in the CPG space and Amazon's challenges to to crack it over the years. So that it sounds like then that you know as we get into what they're what Amazon's developing now into this Amazon Fresh concept that you don't think that that's a legitimate threat for Walmart or do you? Listen, I think I think they're struggling with like what what the real differentiation is for them in right. mass in sort of mass grocery and um I don't think they've cracked it yet. And so I do wonder, you know, I know they've sort of paused the fresh and are rethinking and thinking the best way forward. I I don't know the answer to this, but I am curious whether they end up deciding like we're just going to be we're going to really go hard and solely at being a technology service provider in the mm-hmm. space versus owning, you know, operating our own facilities. I think that's I I think they still really want to yeah. be operating their own spaces. I just think, like I said, um, I think the differentiation has not been there yet. Um, I was talking, you know, when you talk to a former Amazon executive who's a champion of the company and they say like, 
is saving me two minutes at checkout like really um really what's going to get me into your store when i got to do a bunch of shopping like right. when when a champion of the company is questioning that you know it makes you makes you you know think they have a long way to go yeah i agree especially when you look at the assortment like their assortment has to be there they're not pulling in the whole foods assortment like we maybe speculated when the acquisition happened mm -hmm. it's kind of a rough combination of those things and and is that going to ultimately compete with walmart um still a question i think uh that we'll have to wait and see as amazon makes a decision about whether or not to go forward with those i have a question though about another topic that we talk a lot about jason and you cover in the book too about the differentiator between Prime and and Walmart Plus. Is there one? What do you feel like the real strengths of each one are And as you talk about them in the book? And do you think Walmart Plus is becoming more formidable, especially in light of the you know news even this week about Amazon starting to look at adding mobile to the Prime membership? So I, you know, I've thought there's been a real opening the last couple of years for Walmart Plus to, or someone to um you know maybe carve away you know from the fringes of the of the amazon prime you know membership yeah. group and i think you know while prime has 100 percent gotten faster in some parts of the country i as i documented in the past year there are definitely parts of the country no matter what the company says no matter what the pr team says sorry like i'm sorry that the the experience has absolutely deteriorated and so um to where you know two-day shipping you know two-day delivery is i know what it, it's always said two-day shipping not two-day delivery but like darn you could count mm. on two-day delivery and right. there are just some parts of the country where it's not the case and so um so anyway so i think there's been an opening um i think walmart plus is interesting for sure i think um i've tested it and had some good experiences and some very bad experiences um and no i have not tested it under my own name so you can't look me up john ferner um <laughs> but um uh you know we, I, we I, might I, have to go into a segment about what like code name you're using for this is it like oh, john man. wayne or something yeah. um Maybe it has something to do with this guy. <laughs> uh, oh for those listening, he's got, yeah, holding, go ahead, Jason. I'm holding up a um, like really scary because of how um, accurate it is. Uh, Jeff Bezos ac action figure, which was regifted to me by a certain famous tech media personality who I will um, not blow up right now but um, and that's buffed out jeff bezos action yeah, figure right oh, yeah. jason that's not like jeff. 1999 uh jeff bezos no can we talk for a second about like elon and jeff and like how i I mean i guess money the answer is money right, <laughs> right. How, it's this always money. How, how this happens okay because you know i've been in my attic office for three years now and um still don't still haven't come close to looking like that well, no. you've got too much hair, Jason. I think you've got the you've got the salad, you've got the flow, and you've got them beat. Yeah, and that's yeah, it. yeah, that is what they really truly are envious. They will just beef up their upper body as much as they can. Oh man, okay. I will. Um, that 
That is a beautiful thing you just said. Thank you. Well, let's um, let's sorry. get this thing back on the rails here. <laughs> right. um, we were talking about the you know what makes Walmart oh. Plus uh, more beneficial, and I, one thing I want to tap yeah. into that you sure. again you also tap into the book is both companies kind of making the push into healthcare. We talk about you know PillPack as a as a consideration early on, but then yeah. now it's we're actually talking about services in Walmart stores being part of Walmart Plus, uh, the benefits of Walmart Plus. Um, how do you think, like, what, what was the point you were trying to get across as you consider that Walmart plus benefit, the Amazon prime benefit and thinking about the application of healthcare into this commerce world? Sure. So, so I'll start with the memberships. I think, um, I, I agree, as I say in the book, well, I don't say I agree with Mark Laurie in the book about this, but you know, I have Mark saying like, listen, long-term, like for, for plus to be really successful, we're, we're going to have to take some prime customers away. Like we're going to yes. have to steal some prime right. customers. Like the over, like the, the amount of people are going to do both. Like I just, yes, people have a ton of memberships, but I think there's too much, even if you go into detail, not a ton of overlap. I think on the surface, they just sound similar and so, um, so I, you know, I think Walmart strengths, like, yeah, can you build really great, um, perks that go beyond, you know, what normal, you know, most people would think of as shopping, I think, mm-hmm. I think would be really valuable. So, um, yeah, that, you know, prescription drug discounts, um, other health services, I think could be a differentiator. The challenge is, you know, with any membership, like the more you put in it, at one point it feels really valuable, and then very quickly there's a line be- before um, where it becomes like, wait, what? What? Like, what is in this membership? Yeah. And I just and I think <laughs> I think Amazon has thought about this for a long time, and I, you know, which is diluting. You know, you end up risking diluting the you know the the membership by, and and maybe you guys disagree, but I think you know. I just worry, you know, I, I think I would try to remember what like my AAA perks are with my you yeah. know, AAA card. And right. it's like, uh, like they pick me up when I need to be picked up and I blow out a tire and then it's, wait, there's like 47 other things. And maybe, maybe some people just see that all as a perk, but, um, I, I just, you know, in talking to people who help build prime, I think they, for a long time, were thinking about, let's not make this just the everything membership where you start looking at some of the perks and and they're not all that great and right you know, it sort of brings the value down so i would just my, my only point here is like i think um and we could go into healthcare a little more deeply yeah i think there are advantages that that walmart has with um pharmacy perks and as they build out walmart health if they do the physical you know clinics um that could make this you know more than a commerce membership in a real way. And, um, and I, all I'll say is there, you know, you just want to be careful about how much you add to a membership that, you know, without diluting it. Is healthcare for you though, one of those things? I mean, is that what you were trying to get across in the book that like healthcare is really kind of the key service or component to the future success I, of Walmart I, I, Amazon? So I think each, you know, with Walmart, I think they're v- clearly very interested in it. What some former executives worried about, though, with were, was their motivation. So I have mm-hmm. one telling me that, you know, Doug McMillan and, you know, loves the idea of it, but he's mainly 
interested in the cash flow that a big healthcare business could throw sure. off and how mm. that might help them defend against Amazon and other mm-hmm. rivals in other parts of their business, right? You know, Walmart doesn't have the AWS throwing off the, you know, all that cash to help out with the retail business. So um, my, my my main point is, I, I think both companies are really intrigued by the space. Mm-hmm. I think I think they see, you know, a lot of fragmentation in, you know, certain parts of healthcare, um, sometimes a disdain for consumers and, you know, by healthcare incumbents some margin and i think they also are just like chasing a little bit the narrative of like healthcare disruption is is something that you know the big employers in this country should be should be interested in and so um i think it absolutely could be a key to their future i think you know as part of a membership it could really set them apart i just I'm still not convinced the motivations are right. And also they just, at least on the Walmart side, they just keep running through leadership of that, of that team. Mm -hmm. And um, that is super problematic. I don't know what the number is now, but something crazy, like upwards of 10 leaders over the last decade in health, like you're, how do you build, you know, healthcare is freaking hard. It's not their (laughs) DNA. Like how can you possibly do that well without, not only uh, you know unified leadership team that lasts a long time, but also a strategy that remains in place for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a pretty simple point. I I've never thought with it. I don't think Anne and I've ever talked about it on our show, which is like you know they're both kind of doing it because the shareholders expect them to do it. At the end of the day, you know that's a that's an important thing to think about. Um, all right, well let's get you out of here on this. This has been a fabulous discussion. We could talk to you for like three I hours, I think, yeah. if not more. So next time we're in, we got to get a beer or something. The next time we're in the same place, uh, physically. I mean, but, can can we do a physical event and sell some books? I'm down. Let's yeah. do it. Man. Minneapolis in the summer is a beautiful. Hey, we're place, all there so. for that, man. Yeah, let's yeah. try. It. Let's do okay. it. I'm, we're more than game for that. Um, all right. So two questions to get you out of here on. So one. What were the what was the main points or maybe couple points that you wanted people to take away from this book? Like, you know, I put it down reading it. What I was trying to think about, like, what would be the main point you wanted to drive home? Yeah. So um I think so I'll give a I'm gonna give a couple. One main point is um we have two companies that say on the surface they're very consumer obsessed, right? And I just think knowing as an average consumer that um, these companies have other motivations, I'm not telling people to change where they shop. I'm not telling people to um, be angry at the leaders of these companies, but I'm just trying to make us, you know, part of what I was trying to do is make us more educated consumers. And um Especially as they go, and and that's the point about healthcare, right? Like this is a totally different game for a lot of them, and matters in a different way to to consumers. And so, let's just understand who these people are a little better and what their motivations are. So, if you can come away from this feeling like I know what Amazon and Walmart's motivations are better than I did before, um, I'd be happy. I'd be happy with that. I think the second takeaway is. Um, that uh like is this do we i definitely don't want a world where only one of these companies sells us everything right mm-hmm. but are you should we be comfortable with a world where um two of them you know 
control whatever it is and and uh and they want more right and so Mm -hmm. you know i struggled where to finish this book because this battle is not over right so there's no natural ending and where i sort of ended up and some people may like some might not which is um you know i'm hoping the competition between them means maybe someday better healthcare for people Uh maybe someday better wages for you know warehouse workers maybe someday um you know, continuation of good prices for consumers. But I also just think, um, well, I hope that's the case. Like, I still think regulation and labor groups and, you know, startup activity in the commerce space are going to be key to to making sure we have a, you know, a healthy commerce world. So, um Sorry for sorry. I'm you know I'm, I'm sort of passionate about those those two buckets, and um, if people can feel like they walk away feeling those things and understanding them a little better, uh, you know, I'll be happy. And then and then just lastly, like I I love the commerce industry, and if there could be you know I think there are lessons throughout for leaders and entrepreneurs, and um, you know, and and some of those lessons may be. Um, Wow, I this person I thought had immaculate decision making, and I could never be as successful as them. Actually, like some of it was luck, and some of it's like challenging. Like I don't know, feeling good about you know what you can do in this industry, either because you're inspired or because you think, wow, I've made a bad decision. That's a pretty bad decision, and this person's you know really successful. You know, I I think I think I'd be happy about people coming away feeling those things too. Yeah, right. That's an awesome point. Yeah, and, and the other thing too, that, that, that I love the question you raised there too. Like, you know, monopolies aren't good, but is a duopoly any better? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's fundamentally the question you're asking, and I, I love that. So, all right. So, last question: As we look fifty years out, goes back to the title of your book. Who will win? Putting you on the spot here, man. It's like that old commercial. Learned it by watching you. Uh, who will win? And maybe not who will win, but maybe who's gonna be further ahead in the race, you know, 50 years down the line. If you had to pick um, a horse, who would it be? So so I'm 41, so I'll be 91. Um don't know that I want to be 91, but um <laughs> uh I'm gonna really upset both of you. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a company that does not exist today. Ooh, really? Yes. Why? Um You know, I think if the last couple of years didn't happen on the Amazon, the last year or so didn't happen on the Amazon side with um, the cut, you know, Amazon seemed, I think Amazon seemed really unstoppable, at least to me and a lot of people I know um, until about a year ago or so. And Mm -hmm. um, yes, call it macro, uh, macro impact, but between the layoffs, um, you know, there was a there was a lot of undisciplined spending. I think in the last few years under Bezos, and um, as his focus shifted in a couple of different directions from space to um, new love interests, uh, I yacht, just think, yacht proposals. You yeah, know. right. I mean, yeah, one of one of my closest college friends actually is a yacht journalist, and um, and was yes, that's a real thing, and. Uh, posted a video a week, a week or two ago, he was out, he, he happened to be on a boat and he was circling Jeff Bezos's boat. And, uh, 
with the beautiful mermaid um, statue on the front of it. Anyway, sorry, really getting us off. Um, you know, I just, I just feel like I, I just feel like Amazon's at I. I think it may be day two or close to it. Yeah. And um, it's really hard to work your way out of day two. Um, I think both companies will exist 50 years from now, but I think we're going to be talking about, or whoever the next uh, Jason Del Rey is, God bless her soul, um, is going to be talking about a different, uh, a different, you know, I, I think they're at day two. I think Walmart, um, I don't know. I think they're going to both grow in a lot of interesting ways over the next 10 or 20 years. I just think it's damn hard to, to be thriving 50 years from now. And, you know, maybe, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I just think we've been every few decades in the commerce industry, you know, what is it? Walmart came, uh, Amazon came 30 years after, uh, yep. After Walmart, something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, we're about 30 years out. It may be a company that's that's just getting off the ground now. I named some at the back of the book. In you know, I name, you know, Instacart, I named Shopify, I named uh Shein. Um yeah. I don't know. Today we'd probably, you know, some people would want to name Timu, <laughs> like, you know, who knows? TikTok, I, you know, who knows? TikTok, yeah, right. TikTok, I, you know, listen, I think TikTok, I I've not covered TikTok very closely beyond, you know you know, what their dabble, you know, how they've dabbled with, with acquisition talks, but also with, uh, commerce initiatives. I think they're really formidable. And so, uh, we'll see. All right. That wraps us up. Thank you so much. Jason Del Rey, his new book, Winner Sells All, Amazon, Walmart, and the Battle for Our Wallets drops on June 20th. Jason, where can we and everyone listening get the book? So, you can get the book wherever you normally buy your print books, ebooks, or I'll, I'll give a big plug to the audiobook. I I hand selected our fabulous narrator. It's not me. My wife will tell you you don't want to listen to me for one hour, let alone ten hours. Yes. Um. So Fair. uh. And and the narrator, you know, he does a lot of great business books. He also does some romance novels. I discovered and going through his uh uh his like the second and third pages of his portfolio. So um, there may be some surprises in like chapter six. I don't know. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Well, it I mean, definitely plays up to like the, the saucy back and forth of, of the rivalry, this whole book. So I think he, yeah. I think you picked the perfect guy. He's got a sexy voice. I mean, <laughs> yep. So anyway, I'm, I'm not an audio, you know, I, I, I'm not the audiobook person, but if you are, Yes. There is no better narrator to to read about, you know, Mark Laurie and Jeff Bezos and uh, oh my God, the all bromance. the com- all the commerce <laughs> nerdery you could you could find. Oh well, thank you so much again, Jason. Get the book June twentieth. Uh, we appreciate you spending time with us today. And as always, on behalf of all of us here at Omni Talk, be careful out there. <laughs>